Hola mis amigos and bienvenidos to the What You Got podcast where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer joined as always by Charlie Budd and today we're chatting about Nope, the latest Jordan Peele film. After making his mark early on in the horror genre, many have been waiting eagerly for this newest entry into his filmography. This episode will be spoiler-free initially, but we'll transition at about a quarter or halfway through, so we'll be sure to give you all a warning. And before we start diving into all of that, bud, I uh, think something that Jordan Peele is revered for is his style of filmmaking. I'm curious to hear how you would describe it. So to kick it off, uh, let's answer that one. What you got? All right, Palmer. Well, to me, I think the way that Jordan Peele's like filmmaking style has kind of been like emerged as like this horror director is like that he does a really good job in my opinion of capturing like an unsettling feeling throughout uh, most of his movies i think oh i haven't really seen us but i think with both get out and his latest nope i think he's done he, he does a pretty good job although i would argue nope maybe less so than get out but he always does kind of like a good job of like kind of keeping like this unsettling tension there's like always this awkwardness especially when you look at uh get out like the garden party scene like that 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 had like so many like awkward moments you know like you know racist microaggressions just like very like uh, and so it, it it set that setting of unsettled like it set that you know, unsettling feeling with Nope, though, like, I felt like a lot of the movies just kind of felt, you know, especially towards the beginning, I, I would say, didn't really kind of capture that vibe. Like, it, it immediately um, captures, like, okay, there's something going on here when uh, Keith David's character basically just, you know, uh, well, you know what happens. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to go too, too spoilery with Keith David, but it's, like, literally the first five seconds of the film yep. um so i don't know if that's too much spoilery um no, but you're good, you're good and uh so anyways yeah so you clearly see there's something going on and then like it kind of like flash forwards like six months later and it's just like it has like these comedic bits you know because um oj he's like at the uh the the film or the commercial and like you know there's people going like oh your name is OJ. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, that's pretty funny. And then like, you know, Kiki comes in and, or uh, Emerald. um, That's her name, right? Emerald in the movie. And um, she comes in and like, you know, has this whole like monologue speech and OJ's is just in the back. He's just like, yep. mm -hmm." He's just like giving (laughs) her minor corrections and stuff like that. So it definitely has like these comedic times. And I don't think the movie really starts ramping up to what like his signature style that he's kind of like known for of like kind of like this constant like unsettling feeling until you uh, get to probably around a third of the way into the movie. And then that kind of like it like slowly rises up until like the climactic uh, ending, if you will. Um, So like it's kind of like a different vibe from like if his other movies where I think kind of like kick off like right off the bat are a lot faster. I can't speak for us, but I can only speak to get out that are a lot <laughs> faster to kind of get like the ball rolling on it getting weird. And um, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, but like Nope takes its time and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it does a pretty good job of like setting the stage. So what yeah. were your thoughts there? What do you think of Jordan Peele's film style? 
Oh man, I kind of to piggyback off of what you just said, thinking about specifically the comedy because as we all know, you know, Key and Peele, Mad mm-hmm. TV, yep. his background is based in comedy, so there's always going to be that. But I, it's funny in that it's almost satirical because I think that he uses that and he understands the classic tropes of horror movies. So what people would normally do or would normally say, but then he bases the reactions of his characters in the real world. So I was like, nope, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen, or I'm not going to do that, or that's crazy. This is I what's know, happening. like there's like the scene, like the title of the movie is just called Nope, and like, the amount of times where, um, like OJ just goes, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like the entire oh, audience just like burst out laughing every time that happened. He's just like, he like looks up and goes, nope. <laughs> he just stays there. It's great. It's good stuff. And like he does a good job of that. He always does. He subverts expectations. And that's like actually probably the best way to describe Jordan Peele's filmmaking style is subverting expectations. Definitely. And so yeah, that's I think he's a master of that. And I think that's what makes his his film so unique. People go to it because they want that human everyday element. And I think something that he's also very talented at is making the mundane ordinary something more than that. And he heightens it in such a way that it, it adds to the creepiness factor. So, this isn't a spoiler. It's just eventually wacky waving inflatable arm filling tube men are used in the movie. And it's just funny because I've driven by a bunch of them now and all I think about is nope. And it's like, it takes on a whole new meaning. So, he's able to capture those. He, he, in like, um, in the, in us, you haven't seen it, but just like the red jumpsuit and a pair of scissors. Like, mm-hmm. that's completely different. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Get Out has its own elements, too. Like, it's he's super, super good when it comes to just uh, putting those things together. Yeah, I think, like, you know, funny that you mentioned, like, the wacky inflatable arm-waving tube man. Like, <laughs> uh, I was actually thinking, like, when that was happening, I was laughing because, A, it was funny, but also, yeah. B, because, like, I was... There's a music video by Arcade Fire that released like a month and a half ago, two months ago at this point, and uh, the music, the song is unconditional, and like the entire music video is just um, like wacky inflatable arm waving tube men just like going back and forth. So I just kept thinking of that; it was hilarious. <laughs> it's just like Arcade Fire. Dude. It's just like, like I wonder who stole whose idea. <laughs> I'm kidding. But they're uh, like, you would be great. Let's put some wacky, waving, inflatable arm filling <laughs> in this music video, dude. <laughs> actually, when I was walking to the theater, there was actually like, you know, like how sometimes they like set up like those like cardboard displays of like big pictures and stuff. I didn't notice it when I walked in, but it had like the wacky, inflatable arm waving tube men like as like a part of the the display and i had n- i completely walked right by so when i walked out of the theater i saw it i just was like oh i completely missed this <laughs> like i had no idea that this was gonna be in the movie so that was oh great my gosh. oh my that's probably funny if you didn't know that it was gonna be in the movie do like why is this here yeah i i didn't watch any um trailers really for this movie i saw like yeah. a teaser like you know back when uh it, the teasers were coming out where it was just like nope uh oh nah 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 like all those kind of like people just saying nope and the that was like that was the extent I had no idea what this movie was about yeah how did that how did that work for enhance did it enhance your experience throughout would you wish you had gone back and watched it um no I think it did enhance my experience because I didn't know what it was gonna be I knew like I knew it was like a horror movie although I would say that like Jordan Peele's move like definition of horror to me is more of like horror in the sense of like alien is a horror movie um not necessarily not like the conjuring horror movie but more of like it's an alien kind of horror movie um and uh so 
I thought it was beneficial because I did not know what to expect. Like, uh, I had an I, I thought at like I had an inclination based on the setting that it was going to be like aliens or whatever. Um, so I was kind of you know it was kind of close there. So not too not too bad of a guess. <laughs> I had a feeling it was going to be something like that too, based on the setting and based on the. I saw the movie poster and I guess it was like a cloud with mm-hmm. the little kite tail, and I was like, oh, I guess it's something in the sky. So mm-hmm. there we are. But. Uh, no, it was. I, I gave it to him for kind of his method of bringing that all together. How much information? But, oh, sorry, I was going to ask you. Oh, no. How much information did you have going into the, the movie? I did exactly what you did. I didn't watch. <laughs> I saw like the the teaser. So no, 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 no. Yeah. Outside of that, I had no idea. I didn't know any of the one liners or anything like that. that were oh coming, yeah. So I I, I, I had no context for any of that. So it was all genuinely <laughs> surprising, funny. It was great. So um, <laughs> yeah, loved that. Uh, but what did you think of the movie overall? Like, what were you, what were your like initial impressions after uh, the credits started rolling? It's funny. So my dad, <laughs> bless his heart, he thought that it was going to be like a Marvel movie. Like, there's going to be something at the end or after. So while everybody's leaving the theater, we were just sitting around waiting for something to pop up, and nothing did. And oh like, my. Well, there you go, man. This isn't a Marvel movie. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I like it in that like you can talk. At, like Sometimes you see a movie and you don't have a whole lot to say after it. But I saw it with my, my dad and my sister. And we were talking about it. You know, We were like, oh, I liked this line. Or I was, in, I was intrigued by the fact that they brought this into the movie. So whether you like it or not, I mean, that's something I think it's super powerful that a movie can do. But I, I, uh, I liked it overall just because, like I said, it was, it's fresh. It's a new idea. It's a new take on like a classic kind of uh, movie, a horror movie, which I know can get a little bit, uh, not to say canned, but sometimes it's easy to predict. But I think that this particular idea and this particular film was successful in kind of keeping you on edge, keeping you on your toes, and you were like, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, of course, I'm going to have to benchmark this with, uh, so I have seen both Get Out and Us. Um, and so it's funny, it's, it's different. It's the most abstract, I think, that uh, Jordan Peele's gotten so far. Like the others... Us, us kind of but not really like could be based in reality like get out could definitely be based in like reality more or less us <laughs> was kind of starting to get away but nope was kind of the widest swing but at the same time i mean i was interested to see how jordan peele would put all that together and once again i think he created a film that is very much his own i don't know if necessarily because he didn't in this particular film and i wanted to ask you a question about it he broke it up into chapters so he had mm-hmm. like four distinct chapters and they corresponded with like you know a horse or something like that, but um, so he ha- he hasn't done that in the past, and so this movie does have some interesting things when it comes to chronology. But we'll go into that a little later. So that was probably the I wouldn't even say like my biggest like criticism because it's not really criticism. It was just that I don't know if that necessarily needed to be there. I don't know if it enhanced the story for it being broken off into like four, four parts. But overall, I enjoyed it, and I mean uh, I would watch it again. How about yeah. you? I, I agree. I, I, you know, I really, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I, you know, I kind of walked out of there. I was like, that was good. I, I, I had a good time. It reminded me a lot of like kind of eighties horror movies in a sense that like, in like early nineties, like I got like Jaws vibes from it. I got like aliens, alien vibes from it. I got Jurassic Park vibes from it. So like, mm. that's just kind of like the movie that it, it turned out to be. And I really liked that because it was, it kind of felt like a, um, almost like a, I wouldn't say like a love letter because it's not like there's a ton of references to those kind of movies, but like it felt like that kind of style of those films. 
Um, so that's what I really liked about it. And I thought it was really cool. And like, I, I also really liked that. It was just like a Hollywood kind of setting in the sense that like they're, they're, they're horse trainers or horse, like, uh, tamers or whatever you horse folk, <laughs> horse folk, uh, for Hollywood pictures and stuff like that and commercials. So, um, it kind of like, they have like, you know, they're on the outside of the Hollywood ring of the Hollywood circles, so it just kind of like in a way in my own abstract kind of way it makes sense that it has like a little hallmark to those classic 80s and 90s movies of like that like uh, like that define like horror genres of their time so mm, definitely did you see it with anybody no i saw it by myself um okay. Bronwyn is in seattle right now so <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> living her best life hey i'm going out there not too long from now so i'll have to get some tips from her but I was going to ask, okay, so you mentioned the others in the theater. How was the reaction from those who were watching it with you? I, You know, from what I heard, like, people, when I was walking out of the theater, I think people, for the most part, enjoyed it. They liked it a lot. Uh, you know, I I didn't hear anybody say, like, it sucked. Like, you know, I didn't hear, <laughs> never again. Never again. I think, I just heard, like, people talking about, like, how Jordan, like, you know, Jordan Peele's career and stuff like that. So, I think overall, the, the movie was positive. I didn't get, like, a you know, a round of applause or anything when the okay, credits yeah, rolled, yeah. but that's rare for me. I can't even remember the last time somebody gave a movie a, an applause. Like I'm sure it happens in Marvel movies all the time because people are weird, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to say before like Marvel, I, cause I guess, okay. Last time I heard it was uh Spider-Man no way home before that was Avengers Endgame, But before that, the last time I heard like applause was 2005 the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, <laughs> The Witch, and The Wardrobe, which is a good film. I'll, I'll be the one to see. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude. I, I've it. never really gotten into that series. Like, Isn't there like Ooh. six or seven books or something? There are seven or eight. Okay, hold up. Jeez. I think there's, yeah, I think there's seven. I think there's seven. How many movies of these books did they make? They made three. Were they like books one, two, and three? No, it's books two, four, and five. Wait, they never even made the first. So look, the first one was called the Magician's Nephew, and the the best kind of part of the whole Narnia series is the Pevensey children, which is two, four, and five, and then six is the cousin. Well, we didn't really talk about that guy, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they honestly could have stopped it too. Like you can just stop with the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Okay. Yeah, hot take. I'm very. I, I don't even remember. I remember like watching. I guess Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. But I just like don't remember what those movies were about. Like I know that it's like a world in a closet or whatever. But like, what the hell is the whole thing about? <laughs> it's about childhood, man. It's about truth, justice. It's and about... don't they like age to adults and then they go through the closet and they're kids again? Okay, look, <laughs> you're looking too far into this. Just appreciate it for what it is, okay? <laughs> Oh man, no, that was like one of my favorite. It's all imaginary, <laughs> wasn't it? It was all made up. It no, was like... it was real. It was real. <laughs> it was real. Oh, <laughs> it was real to me. <laughs> oh man, I declined. I climbed in some classes Looking for Narnia. I will admit, <laughs> like, maybe I'm just not believing hard enough. Oh man, my closet's but, uh, not yeah. deep enough. Where's my <laughs> Narnia? It's, it's a broken closet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> but it's funny because you mentioned jordan peele's career and now i mean man came on the scene 
with Get Out, won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. How do you think his career stacks up among some of the other horror directors today? He's got like a, a unique style. Like I, I'm not like a horror savant, but like from the only like notable horror directors that I have like been following in like modern times is like Ari Aster and his movies are like well I mean that's like the only like horror director that I've really like watched multiple of his works and that his style is like is grotesque like he has like a he like explores much like Jordan Peele kind of like social commentary but utilizes like horror or at least in Ari Aster's hereditary he was exploring like uh grief i guess and mm. like and like the 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 tragedy that befalls a family but puts like a really messed up horror twist on it and like midsummer is also a very messed up horror movie <laughs> like oh arguably boy. more messed up than hereditary um so uh but like yeah i think like he once said that he wrote midsummer because he broke up with somebody it's like a movie about relationships, so... See, I've never seen either of those, but now I kind of feel like I want to. But yeah. at the same time, I feel like I don't. Cause they're I'm genuinely... Like, like, Hereditary is genuinely terrifying. I mean, they're <sighs> both, they're both like, really scary, but, like... They're, like... It's, like, different from the way, like, Jordan Peele does horror versus, like, Ari Aster does horror, like... Which I think is really cool, by the way. Mm. I feel like a lot of modern horror movies that I've seen, like I said, not the biggest horror savant. I don't go out and watch like every horror movie known to mankind, but a lot of the ones that I have seen with a few exceptions have just been kind of formulaic in the way that they're just like, they're there for like the jump scares. They're not really like doing anything special. Like it's just a lot of like, usually like a lot of gore, like disturbing imagery or jump scares. And like, while those elements can be used, even though I personally hate jump scares because I think it's cheap tricks, like, which is, I mean, I know he utilized it a little bit in Nope, but it's not like it wasn't, his movie isn't like that scary. It's Mm. unsettling. It's disturbing. Um, but it's not like a terrifying movie, like much how like alien is to me like it's a, listed as a horror movie one of the like you know the most some people list it as like one of the scariest movies of all time I'm like i don't think that movie is scary i think it's unsettling i think it's i think it's nerve-wracking i don't think it's terrifying i don't get nightmares about alien um so yeah i think i think he has a very distinct style and i think he's really placed himself kind of on his own little like island in the horror genre and i'm kind of yeah. curious if he's going to stick with horror or he's going to move out what do you think that Ooh, that's a very good question. It's funny because he was doing an interview and he was obviously still very much entrenched in comedy and he told his team, look guys, I'm going to do this for a little while longer and then I'm going to switch to horror. And they're all laughing like, okay, Gordon's (laughs) making another joke. (laughs) And he wasn't. (laughs) And so when he's finally, I guess, typing out, get out, and he's like, okay, now it's time. They're like, wait, what are you doing? Like, you're leaving so much money on the table. Like, no, just stay with what you're doing. But he's like, no, I definitely want to do this. I think it's interesting because we talk about the social commentary that's involved in some of his films. And so I think he's got a lot to say about things that are going on. And horror is such a specific means in which to convey those ideas. 
I think that he enjoys it because it's something fun and creative that he can do that's unique. And obviously, he's gotten a, little, a lot of notoriety from it. I feel like he'll probably end up staying in horror more or less. But I think he could possibly dabble in just some other kinds of films along the way. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a, you know Stanley Kubrick had basically a movie in dang near every genre. Like I think <laughs> it'll be... Did he do a like comedy... That. I guess you can maybe argue that all of his movies are some form of dark comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, 2001 A Space Odyssey is not dark comedy. That is no, it is movie. not. That is that is someone on LSD. Someone on L- yes, psychedelics. Yes, it <laughs> that oh, movie man. opens with 20 minutes of just chimpanzees. Bro, I watched it on a, on, a, on a plane ride coming back from California, and I was like, I downloaded the wrong movie. <laughs> I like the monkeys that are clearly people. The monkey suits are just, oh my god, dude! I mean, that movie has so many iconic scenes, though. I will yeah. say, like the whole like monolith on the moon, like that scene. Like before I even saw Space Odyssey, I'd seen that scene in other works of fiction. It's probably one of the most copied scenes, like of all time, or like yeah. shots of all time. Um, but yeah, that movie is bizarre, with a capital oh, B. Oh. Psh. Cap, two capital B's like bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but I guess going back to, to Jordan Peele, do you feel the comedy in his movies takes away from the stakes at all? No, I, I think they're good. Like he, I think it's kind of intentional to let your guard down for what's about mm. to come. I think he does it on purpose. You know, he wants to lighten the mood, makes you feel safe in a way before he kind of like comes in and like says, "Gotcha." <laughs> You all were laughing two seconds ago. Now you're freaked out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. No. It's so it's so interesting. That's very much his own kind of style. And I'm so curious as to what his long run impact will be uh, on the genre. What do you think uh, about that? Well, I mean, I think he's kind of has like. No, it's like hard to measure. I feel like he might go down. Like, you know, I think people will look back at some of his movies. I mean, who's who's to say, you know, going forward what else he's going to make? But like, I feel like some people are going to look back at his movies as just kind of like classics, you know, especially Mm. I think, you know, if Nope gets big enough, I don't know how people are kind of perceiving Nope or anything. But I think Get Out will definitely be looked back as like a classic horror film. And I think, you know, Nope has that, you know, potential to as well, kind of in like the same vein that like, like I said, it reminded me a lot of like Jaws and like Jurassic Park and like Alien, and and I think you know I would put it in that kind of class of like horror movies that you know it's got um like this uh, sorry my cat she's just, like freaking out um I think he can be looked back at uh as like a guy who really made his own way in horror you know and like when a genre that is filled with mostly very formulaic horror movies that just try to play on like these incredibly creepy concepts and not necessarily like interesting concepts. Like, I mean, I feel like a lot of horror movies are kind of like same formulaic something's haunted or there's a spirit or, you know, you know, like some dude's going to come in through your TV screen and murder your entire family. (laughs) Like Jordan Peele instead likes to take a very, as we've kind of said already, like a subvert expectations kind of way. Like he wants mm-hmm. to kind of play with people's like brains and feelings and emotions, and like makes one he make, wants to make people 
feel safe, but at the same time unsettled. You know, like he wants people to kind of like question, you know, what's kind of going on. He wants to question the reality that he sets the stage of the film in. And I think if he kind of continues to do that and continues to kind of like really perfect that style, I think we can see really some great things out of Jordan Peele, you know, and going forward. Definitely. Definitely. And it's funny because Daniel Kaluuya was being interviewed and they were talking about kind of the making of Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he said, I guess, I think they were filming the, the teacup scene where he's talking to his girlfriend's mom and the girlfriend's mom is doing the teacup. And I think that he was saying that Jordan Peele was like watching it back and he was just like, this is iconic. This is iconic. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just knew from the jump that like people were going to love it. And I have so much like respect for that. But uh, no, I think I think you're right. And like for me, I, Get Out was my, my favorite of all of his films. I think it's because in many ways it's the most relatable. It's the most mm-hmm. based in reality. Nope is is the biggest kind of, like I said, change up from that. But overall, he still made it a, a movie that's relatable, even if it's only in how you'd react to the situation that's so bizarre and wild. Mm-hmm. So um, I think long run, he's going to be he's going to be up there. I mean, he already won an Oscar. Uh, his style is very much his own, and I feel like anybody, especially because it's so specific within horror, so if anybody replicates it, people will always point back to, oh, Jordan Peele was kind of the first person yeah. to really start doing that, because mm-hmm. you can't really point to anybody mixing kind of comedy and, and horror, but I'm, I'm excited to see what he comes out with next. Yeah, no, he certainly has carved his own path in horror, and in a way, he's maybe reinvented it. I mean, I guess it'll kind of be a couple of years before we see, like, how much of an impact he's had on, like, the other uh horror movies that come out in the next few years you know i'll be interested to see how like you know other big horror directors like if ari aster even wants to continue doing horror i don't i think he's kind of said that he doesn't want to continue to do horror so it's um it'll be interesting to see if he does choose to like how jordan peele's kind of breakthrough into that genre would affect a director like him who also in his own way has carved out his own little path in terms of like how he likes to do those types of films and uh, i wish i knew other horror directors that had like big names but for the most part i really don't so i don't know there's like a director who like repeatedly does these kind of films um yeah i'm trying to think like i know like obviously like you can go like uh what john carpenter yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah i was talking about like modern modern yeah yeah, modern directors so Oh man, goodness! But that's honestly all the ra- all the questions I had that are non-spoiler esque because I am quite excited to get into this. Do you have any uh, other non-spoiler kind of questions? Thoughts, well, uh, yeah, I did want to talk about you know I think this can probably be a little spoilery because you, you can definitely use evidence of like the film. Um, but like, what was your takeaway from the movie? So I feel oh. like what do you think the overall message of the film was? Because I'm curious what you thought. Um, and so I think we can just say spoiler alert because I feel like it's going to okay. be hard to answer this question. So going forward, our, it's going to be spoilers. But before we get into that, we'll just say we both really like this film. And if you were questioning whether or not you wanted to go see it, we highly recommend it. So please go see Nope. But now, spoiler time. Spoiler time. Here we are. All right. I've been waiting on this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Overall, what do I think the big takeaway was? Oh man, so Get Out had a clear takeaway. I think us had us has got a little blurry. Um, obviously, watch the film and you tell me what you think. But for uh, 
Nope. I think that once again, he kind of established a very clear uh, thesis, central idea, and that was around spectacle and just our fascination with just being a part of capturing or just kind of um, being overwhelmed by spectacle. Mm -hmm. I think one particular example from the film, and we can kind of run through a little bit, is just um, basically there's a moment where there is a reporter for, I'm pretty sure, TMZ. And so he literally rolls oh, up. I just thought that was a joke. Table. I thought that was just a clever too. joke that he like, was like, oh my, guys, we got TMZ here. I just thought, I think it was just like a, like a, I don't know if there's like a specific word for it, but like probably just like an individual content creator just going out and like looking for that, essentially. Mm -hmm. Just looking yeah. for the next big thing, next scoop. So, but continue. Definitely. Because I was like so confused that, yeah, at the first one they said it, it was like, oh, he's kidding. It's not TMZ. But no, it was. It was TMZ. <laughs> but essentially, they warn him, like, get away. Uh, he, he rides his little motorcycle, falls off motorcycle and gets hurt. And so... <laughs> While OJ, Daniel Kaluuya, is going to help him and something big and bad is coming that we can like talk about in a moment. He's like, no, like, grab the camera, take a video of me, take a video of what's happening. Like with complete disregard for the like what's going on around him. It was just like that was the pinnacle of the spectacle. It was like he clearly didn't care about his own safety because he only wanted to capture this one. Yeah. This one moment. And but even like you... even when he fell off the helicopter or his helicopter, his motorcycle, <laughs> he was like. Did you get that on camera? Like, no. like I, I don't think that guy was like somebody who worked for TMZ. I'm sure he was a guy who was trying to be the, like the next big famous thing. Like those YouTubers who like go in like free climb like towers in like Shanghai and like you know they do like flips at like ten thousand feet in the air. and like that's like that's like this it's spectacle like spectacle in the face yep. of in like total disregard for your own safety. And like that guy was definitely the pinnacle of that. But like, I think every character had was going for it. I mean, the entire motivation for them to even try to like figure out what the hell that thing is, is because they wanted the Oprah shot. As they called it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oprah shot, boy. Oh man. So funny. And speaking of what that thing is, I guess if you're listening now, we're in spoiler territory. So essentially what we come to find out is that there is uh, hiding in, on over top of the farm of OJ and M and their family is this cloud, which actually serves as the nest for what looks to be a UFO. Mm -hmm. But what we come to find out is actually its own alien entity that goes around gobbling people and horses up and then just kind of spitting out the remains. How did you feel about that reveal? I that was that was a damn good reveal. Like I honestly just thought it was gonna be like aliens and like that was their ship or whatever. Uh, what nope. kind of was like, and it didn't. I didn't catch it right away when he says like, but it doesn't. When he said when OJ was like, it doesn't move like a ship, and like that, I didn't. It didn't stick out to me then. Oh, I, I, I didn't catch it. that. And then like it wasn't until he, the 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 creature eats all the people up at like that park with like uh steven Yu's character yep um and then like you see that it's like eating them i'm like oh the thing is the it's not a ship it's a creature yes, yes. <laughs> oh okay oh, man. so that's when it, it struck me and i'm like oh my god it's kind of wild <laughs> yeah it is yeah mm -hmm. it is because mm -hmm. my sister was like wait what does that mean when he said that and i was like dude it means that that's the creature. It's not a ship. And she's like, 
And I was like, yeah, <laughs> what? Oh man, that's but I see. I like I love that too because what I love when it comes to movies is fresh ideas. I think why I loved everything, everywhere, all at once so much is because it was a new take on basically an everyday kind of situation mm-hmm. that like anybody can relate to. But it was so abstract, and they pulled it all together so yeah. well. So I liked this movie so much because it's like something I'd never seen, but it's not outside of my my realm of understanding. It's definitely something that was feasible. Oh man, goodness! What were, what were your thoughts? So, for, the, for those of you who are listening, essentially, before we find out that the the ship is actually a creature, there's a moment when OJ is walking out to one of his indoor horse pens, and uh, he the lights keep turning on, mm-hmm. and he goes to turn them off, and so he starts walking away, and lights turn on again, and so he slowly turns around, and you just see like this blank scene, like just the interior of his mm-hmm. horse farm. And then things start moving. Like yeah. Big heads. And what did you think, like, of, in that moment? <laughs> I was just like, oh, I was like, what? I'm like, it's, a, I was like, at first, I'm like, wow, what is the simple design for the aliens? Because I just was still thinking <laughs> it was like an alien ship. But obviously, it was like, it was kind of like freaky. And then, like, obviously, it was just like unsettling. It's just like, what is happening? There's just like yeah. another one. And then they're like hanging from the ceiling. And like, Daniel Kuhu's like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Everybody in the theater fell out laughing. When they nope. That. And uh, it was oh pretty funny. Um, and, like, I don't know. It was just, uh, I mean, it was quickly, like, spoiled that it was just, like, oh, yeah, it's just kids from the other farm starting, like, a turf war because they stole their, like, mimic horse or whatever from yeah. or M did. It was, it was pretty funny stuff. Um, but it was also kind of, like, foreshadowing i guess the event that uh steven yoon's character like puts on at his ranch because those kids were dressed up in aliens costumes because he still thinks it's a ship and then he like you know spectacle get feeds the horse to it or beams it up not necessarily realizing that he's feeding the creature um but he's just like beaming it up as like a sacrificial pawn and like the alien suits were part of the gang because they were like you know celebrating that they found this creature and then yeah so it comes out to uh, eat them. So that's that's interesting. So kind of want to go back to that like, chronology thing, um, specifically thinking about. So the movie, like I said, is broken up into four parts. It's about the four various horses that I guess are, are taken and uh, and eaten or, you know, they survive. And so it follows kind of the evolution. And what you'll see are there are these, these moments of flashbacks to OJ being with his father, which, OK, now that we're in spirit, spoiler territory. His father, who's played by Keith David, is basically killed in the first five minutes from this falling debris, which you later come to find out is actually debris falling because the creature is spitting it out. I guess it has some high velocity. Mm -hmm. And so throughout those flashbacks, his dad is telling him kind of about this. I think it's mainly Ghost, which is their one horse who's kind of like this alpha male Mm. who has certain tendencies. And so his dad goes on to comment that you basically can't train him because he's doing his own thing and so he gives him tips for how to maneuver with that and you come to find out that oj uses those same tips for the alien itself like don't look at it with your eyes Mm -hmm. how did you feel about like those flashbacks being incorporated did you feel like just the i guess the way the movie was set up that it threw off the pacing or do you think that it just kind of continued on no i don't think it threw off the pacing i just think it was you know, you rarely flashbacks are used well, but I think that was used well. I think it they kind of gave a good, you know, reason to do it. I, I mean, clearly still sentimental 
or still grieving over the loss of his dad because um, it's affecting his like professional life as well as his like personal life. So like I think those flashbacks were warranted, and also it you know helped serve the part of the story. They were short, they were sweet, they weren't like anything too long, they weren't like convoluted. Um, it was concise, and I think that's the way you gotta like do flashbacks if you're gonna have to if you need or if you want to utilize them in the story. And I think it worked well because it's over like a gre- like it's a grieving son, even though he wasn't like showing it so much like uh on screen that he was like grieving because it is like six months later after that but like that's only six months it's not enough time and it was like so sudden and so weird the way that like his dad died like it just made no sense um and they're like oh it's a prop plane he just like never believed that so uh like i don't know i thought i thought it worked well i didn't think it threw off the pacing whatsoever and also since M talks about like their her childhood experience versus OJ's childhood experience, I think it works well to kind of like flash back in time to get that context and also kind of highlight the differences between these two characters and offer them some character development in the process. Mm, that's a very good point. I didn't even think about kind of their relationship because especially as the movie progresses, you come to find out that that's really the the core of what's driving everything, their trust in each other. Mm-hmm. Because as you said before, once they discover that they have this creature just living on their, their property, they want the Oprah shot to make millions of dollars. And yeah. so they're trusting in each other. Uh, and also, I guess this like guy who works at their Best Buy, it's not really Best Buy, who comes and sets up all these cameras and they're trying to basically get the shot. One thing that I was really curious about was in trying to capture this picture, they end up getting this big time filmer Holst or whatever his name was. Yeah. And so what did you think of his character? Because they introduced him early on when they're doing that first kind of uh, like stint where OJ's trying to do the commercial, but then he disappears, but then he comes back when M's reaching out to him to help them. What did you think about all of that? I think his character was just supposed to kind of signify another um, like going for the spectacle kind of character like it's very clear kind of early on that he is like this legendary cinematographer i mean they even refer to him as a legendary cinematographer and then like when like when m comes up with the idea of like oh you know we got to like hire this guy because he's great we have a connection to him we got him on the call sheet so and he's also a legendary cinematographer like you can see that even in like when he's on the phone and all that stuff like he's obsessed with um creating something memorable he's obsessed with mm-hmm. glory in the way that like uh like film people are like he wants to have the the shot like he's looking for the perfect shot he wants to create something that is just so beautiful from a cinematography point of view and you see him like scrolling through like film on his uh old i don't even know what you call those machines but like he's just going through it and it's just like wildlife uh photography too which is just wild because i think it alludes perfectly to what kind of ends up happening in nope uh especially i think at that point before like they didn't realize what the creature was and like that definitely like alludes to it that you know he he's 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 studying film on how to basically capture things in the wild like how things hunt and so it's a very it was like foreshadowing in in a weird way that uh, that he will eventually go and do that and and it's definitely foreshadowing the fact that he want, he's only doing it because of glory. In the same way that this is like a outer worldly creature and it's unique 
that he's getting to be the one that captures it in such a like and he can do it in his own visceral way and like uh he'd be going down in history in the history books a guy who captured one of them, like an apex predator in like a legendary way like that's what he was going for and i think that's what his entire character was to kind of be portrayed in the film but what did you think about his character no so i was i i, I feel very very similar in that i think he was this guy who's just obsessed with achieving this thing or capturing this the super elusive thing that maybe one person will and so when they obviously originally approach him to see if he'll help he's like no but then they kind of send him the evidence and he goes and sees that essentially there's this one cloud on their property that does not move and he's like oh it's it's in there mm-hmm. and so they get the proof they get the plan together because you realize that they're on working on a clock because people are going to start flocking to it because of the death of Steven Yoon and his whole, like, I mm-hmm. guess, business and the people who were there. So they're like, oh, something's happening out there. So they have to get the shot quickly. And uh, they put the plan together, and they're able to get the, the UFO creature, which they later named Jean Jacket, to kind of start coming down. And so this filmographer's, uh, you know, cinematographer is trying to capture it. And so there was the moment when the plan is kind of going awry, but mm-hmm. he's they're riding with it. And then this guy says a line. I didn't catch the line. Did you when he talks to the one Best Buy guy, Angel, I think his name was? No, he said he said this other thing like the light. And he's just like, it's golden hour or whatever. And oh, like, or, or something along those lines. I knew it, that he was referring to like it's about to be like golden hour. He's about to get that perfect shot. And he just wanted to go up and just do that for the, the glory of being a legendary cinematographer. And he gets himself so, killed for it. Do you think that he knew he was going to die? I don't think he knew he was going to die. I don't really know what his plan was. It seemed kind of random, like, because he was just, like, filming the whole time. And I think part of him was hoping that, like, the footage would survive, I guess. Okay, see, I was, like, that was one point that my dad, my sister, and I were talking about after they got out of the theater. It's like, why did he do it? And uh, I think, I'm trying to remember, my sister's, like, was of the belief that, uh, you know, he was trying to capture the shot. But for me, I was like, I think it was just, it was all internal. It was, he seemed kind of disconnected. Like he talked about friends that he was having over, but he was always, it seemed like he was always with his film. Mm-hmm. And so I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's like, does a painter paint to show people or does a painter paint to paint? I think that internally he just knew that he like even if he was gonna die, he would catch a shot, even if that shot didn't make it to anybody's eyes. But he would know that he got the shot that nobody was willing to take, and so that's why he he did what he did. But I was so confused. What are your thoughts around? You, you know, think? I actually will you know piggyback off of that. I do think that he's kind of an exaggerated version of somebody wanting glory, but it's almost kind of internalized. I think it is mostly mm-hmm. for himself that like he's gonna go down dying, knowing that he just got the greatest shot in history of like that thing close up literally about to suck him up and eat him and he got it and he was just like yes and like you can hear he doesn't even scream it's like almost like he you know everyone else is like which i think was one of the more one of the more haunting things about the film is that like they don't die immediately when they go up there they they go around in the things intestines or whatever it is and they just scream and scream and then like suddenly silence when you hear the crunch of like everyone and then like the blood coming down on the house that was just a Uh, haunting scene i i I actually think that was like some of the best cinematography like that was some of the best 
uh, scenes in the whole film when that that was happening. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Um, but uh, so like he didn't scream, so I think he definitely knew that he was going to die and that he was going to do it. He resigned himself to that, all for the glory of the shot. I respect it, but dang, man, we had, we had a shot. We could have made it like, ah, uh, 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 goodness, 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 goodness. But yeah, so there was a couple of moments in the film that I was particularly captivated by. That was certainly one of them. I was curious to hear your thoughts, and this is actually how the film starts, around a tiny segment from what you find out later on in the movie is kind of the backstage set of what's referred to as Gordy's Home, which was the show that Steven Yeun's character was a child star in. And later on, he he talks about it as an adult to Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, OJ and M. And uh, it's basically, in the the opening scene, you see a chimpanzee with just blood covered on his mouth and his hands, and you just see, like, this body, like, lying down, Mm -hmm. and you have no idea what's going on. And you come to find out that this chimp, I guess, was overworked. It was all a show about Gordy, who was the monkey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just putting him in classic sitcom situations. And so one day on set, they were just filming his birthday party. And one of the helium balloons popped. And this chimp went off and just started lighting people up. What did you think of that sequence? I was, you know... <sighs> it's It was interesting because I was like... The entire time I was trying to watch... Sorry. The cat is just playing with paper. Stop. Stop. Shoo. Okay. Um, Like, so, anyways. And we're back. (laughs) So, and anyway, so the entire time that I was trying to figure out, like, what is kind of, like, the messaging here? Because I was trying to decipher what the point of that whole sequence was. Like, why show us this? Why open the film with this? And I'm still kind of like baffled by it. I think it's partly a metaphor um, for clearly something. And I'm curious what you are because I have like a couple of ideas floating in my head, but none of them are like concrete yet. You know, they're they're. It's been something I've been contemplating for the last like 24 hours since I've watched this film about like what it was. And I don't want to look it up. I've been trying not to like, yeah. you know, read what other people thought of that scene like specifically. Um, because I have like, I can, there's like things swirling around in my head. I just don't have the words to say yet, but I am curious what you thought of that whole scene. Like, what did you think it meant in the greater meaning of the film? Like, why was there such an emphasis on Jordan Peele showing that to the audience? Well, it is interesting because, so you have it initially as the scene you have, um, the character, Stephen Hughes character refer back to it. And then you have later on kind of the whole the whole sequence as it occurred, and I was and I thought that actually he that was how the film like the overall movie of Note was going to finish like mm-hmm. something there, but it did it just kind of stopped I guess like three quarters of the way so I was a little confused by that I think a it was supposed to highlight like what an animal does when it's kind of like like to survive or when pressure but at the same time. Like in the movie, Jean Jacket, the the alien creature, wasn't really pressured like mm-hmm. like the monkey was and yeah. or the chimp was in that. So I think it kind of just goes to this like deeper level um, that basically at the end of the day, when somebody or something is pushed so far, like it's it might be capable of great violence or something that's completely unexpected. And so, for example, I think it kind of goes to 
to spectacle like OJ and M needed money. So they were willing to risk their lives and the lives of others to try and get this shot. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it was supposed to reinforce that. But I think it was also just maybe a question that you as the viewer have to answer for yourself. Not necessarily something that's supposed to be answered in a specific way. Yeah, I mean, definitely think it has something to do with, like, the whole spectacle of the whole thing. Like, it definitely leans more towards what the overarching message. I feel like it's almost like separate. It doesn't have anything to like necessarily influence the story. I think, I think it was to be shown of like the extremes of spectacle in like film or in our lives that we're, we go to like such extremes for what, whatever reason to kind of be like the next big thing. And like, uh, um, the, the, the show, which, what was it gordy's home gordy's home i think it was supposed to like exemplify a maybe that you know like oh we have a live chimp like it is spectacle it's a show about spectacle literally a show about a chimp who is literally real and not like some puppet or like a cgi thing um well in the movie it was cgi but in the context of the film it's supposed to be like a real chimp and that you know the smallest little thing like a balloon popping like in, in a way i almost wonder if it's also supposed to show that because i in the movie there's moments like in the beginning of the movie when oj is kind of at the commercial and like the horse does like a rear end kick because people aren't really taking the precautions sorry my cat is just playing with my mouse and is now moving it everywhere stop ollie stop stop sorry i'm gonna just like mice yeah, seriously um so anyways uh so i think in the way that that it was supposed to like what was i saying oh you were saying oh, oh that, yeah. um okay I, I remember uh so in the beginning of the movie people aren't really listening to oj in terms of how to be like safe or whatever uh because they only care about the spectacle of the commercial in the way that like oh we have a real horse here you know we want this you know we want this commercial we want this actress to be riding a real horse and then when it doesn't work out they just do the cgi thing like they could have just done all along um but they wanted a real horse because they wanted the practical effects even though it was on a green screen but nobody's really listening to oj in terms of like how to be safe and so i think that what the gordy's home sequence is supposed to kind of represent is that but on an extreme scale that like spectacle hasn't changed that we're always chasing that and that like when it's probably like people just like not listening to the whole safety standards kind of thing like much like how nobody was listening to oj they probably said like hey don't bring balloons here because if they pop he might go berserk he doesn't like loud noises or whatever and like they don't do that they didn't care because they wanted the spectacle of the whole thing so i think in a way it's kind of like a meta commentary on the entire uh, message of the film, but I don't know. Something else that I thought was strange about that whole sequence was, and I thought it was smart and probably intentional and probably something to do with the deeper meaning, but essentially when Steven Yeun's, he describes it first before you really know what you're looking at. So you see like the, just the monkey playing around with the girl's foot. And then you see uh, him talking about it. And he says that they spoofed it on SNL, which super messed up to say yeah. something like that but i don't know it was not real but it kind of it's like something that would possibly happen mm. and so um he's like talking about and he's basically laughing he's like oh man and you know so and so is playing me and so and so is playing the monkey and they're just killing like it's hilarious and then you flash back and you see him as a child and how scared he was mm-hmm. like dude like it's i don't know and i don't know if he was you know talking it up because over time, he realized that's the story people wanted to like hear about, 
and just see him like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. It was actually kind of funny. Like, let me give you the scoop as opposed to being traumatized by it and not talking about it at all. So I think once again, it falls into that category of spectacle. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. So, um, we do you want to talk about like how the movie kind of ends in a way like yeah you want to talk about how the creature like completely like just transforms and i was gonna ask you that question because i was like out of nowhere Mm -hmm. right at the climax of the movie it goes from being ufo saucer shaped to like a a spread out like parachute angel kind of deal Mm -hmm. did you think that have a had a deeper meaning yeah, no, I didn't really think about it. I, I'm sure it does. You know, I'm sure there is something there. You know, I like I'm sure Jordan Peele wants you to think about that in a way. Um, but I don't have anything to like draw from. I don't have like any commentary to like describe like why it was evolving. I think it was just kind of um showing that it's like a you know how like when Apex Predators are like backed into or like when predators are backed into a corner they, you know, like will flex their whatever yeah, it's like the most ferocious they are yeah, yeah so i think in that sense that like as the, they were kind of like toying with it it was transforming because it wasn't getting what it wanted and so it yeah. was becoming more and more like aggressive or whatever so that's a very interesting point there dude it's a good call it's a good call that actually that moment in the whole movie was probably my my favorite moment not it it like transforming that wasn't it but Essentially, M, uh, Kiki Palmer, talks about a moment when she was supposed to, and talks this is in a flashback, supposed to train the, the horse jean jacket, and her dad wouldn't let her, and so he and OJ were training it. And so you see from the like ground, OJ does the, I'm like watching you kind mm-hmm. of deal. And she asks him about it, and he says he doesn't remember. And then, like at the end, when he's basically about to sacrifice himself so she can get away, he does the signal. And I was like, oh, that uh, that hit me. That hit me. Yeah, that was a good moment. Good yeah, moment. so, uh, oh, gosh, man, like that. That was good. But, yeah, no, what did you think about overall, like, yeah, the, the ending ending? Like, the fact that she's out here taking pictures, trying to capture it as it inhales the giant balloon. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was hilarious that even though that they're going through, like, this entire, like, this thing is trying to kill them. She's still worrying about getting that Oprah shot. That's like the only, that was like yes. what's on her mind is that there's like this predator from outer space. God knows where it came from. And, and she's just like, I don't even care that it's chasing me to the park where it consumed 40 people. I'm taking a picture of this thing and I, she does kill it. I assume I'm assuming she kills yeah, I it. Think, I think she kills it. So like, and it's corpse is just floating in the sky. So like for everyone I to mean, see anybody can take a picture at that point. So yeah. Shot. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, she has like the, the thing of it alive, like consuming the, the uh, balloon. Okay, so yeah, I just yeah, thought it was, so I think it was just a like, fitting end that like, even though like they're doing all like battle, like she still cares about the Oprah shot. And, uh, yeah, I think actually OJ wasn't really in it for the spectacle. I think he was actually in it to, like, be curious, like, as to what it was. Maybe beat it, defeat it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, hit the core of his character, because he wasn't even thinking about making money off of it, right? Yeah. He was just thinking about, I need to save this farm. I need to protect the people I care about. Yeah. My dad already died because mm-hmm. he took a nickel to the eye. <laughs> like, um, But no, so I think he was in it kind of for the right reason. And then I think M kind of detracted and pulled him away from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, his core was just like, we do have to kind of kill this thing. Yeah. And, and so he was like the, uh, the straightest shooter of them all. 
Indeed. Indeed. Oh, man. So I guess out of five stars, how would you? <laughs> would, you would you give I it a star? Like, how many stars? I'd probably give it four, you know? Four okay. stars. Yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing when it comes to Get Out versus Nope, which one do you? I think Get Out is a better film overall. Um, You know, I know we like didn't really talk about too much like things that we didn't really like about the film in this like review, but uh, you know, it's not that there was anything I would like specific calling out. It's just that um, while it has definitely good moments, I feel like a lot of the other moments are um, I don't know, just average i don't know really how to like describe it there's, yeah, there's, not, yeah. there's like definitely like solid moments really good moments but there's also just like i don't know i don't know how to describe it it, it, it didn't blow me away but it was good it was entertaining and like i said it reminded me a, a lot of like monster like movies because in, in a way at the end of the day it is kind of like a monster horror movie so um it was cool but uh, yeah what would you yeah, give it i think if i was i would give it probably a four as well um, there were just some like like moments, like you said, like the down moments that I guess were in between the like crazy things that are happening, mm-hmm. and so I think it's hard because this is like a creature feature. So when the creature's not there and you're not necessarily on some like isolated island with it or in a spaceship like an alien, it's kind of hard to really up the up the stakes there because it was just in hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, overall, I thought it was still still entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also that there was probably like three or four ideas of like what the takeaways are going to be obviously the clear one being spectacle but some other things worked in there too that i think um jordan peele was trying to be a little bit more subtle with i don't know if those necessarily you know hit the mark like he wanted them to mm-hmm. but overall I, I mean i enjoyed the film so yeah i, I, don't really I, I enjoyed it and i would say that like i feel like sometimes it was pretty weak at building tension if i had to like call it out like i felt like there were times where i didn't really feel the safety for any of the character like i felt like they were gonna be fine no matter what and like the only oh. character that like even came close to dying was um the best buy dude and he like angel, lucked yeah. out angel and like and then the the cinematographer camera guy just like literally sacrificed himself so um yeah like i think those should i think it was a little weak sometimes on building tension like i said i still think the best moment of that movie is when it's like pouring rain outside and that creature's like over their house and it's just spewing the blood of like 40 people it just consumed and like the horses and like I, the haunting screams of people that you still hear even though it's like hours after it consumed them and then it like kills them all and then the blood starts pouring down over the house and I just thought that was just phenomenal I thought that oh, was bro. some of the best moments of the film by far and, and it's just like they they had they couldn't go anywhere yeah. they were just stuck like getting pelted with blood and whatnot yeah. in the house that and then of course angel grabbed a knife like that was gonna do yeah anything. like that was gonna do anything but you didn't know what he was going up against so that was that was definitely True. good and yeah i do agree i think jordan peele was probably trying to have some other messaging in that film that isn't just spectacle but yeah whether or not it hit the mark is un is unclear because i don't know exactly what he was trying to say outside of like hey spectacle bad kind of thing like yeah we're obsessed with it in a very bad unhealthy way so oh man any guesses as to what he's gonna do next i don't know i don't know i don't even know what i would like to for him to do next you know it's just if he's gonna continue kind of on like this horror grind like it'd be interesting to see um i don't know i think a murder mystery kind of like horror oh. Oh, film would be, be kind of fun. Uh, like a serial killer kind of deal, or like just a yeah, like a knives out. Like okay, not, yeah. knives out is like 
it's like yeah, it's, a singular crime, but it, a serial but, killer would be interesting. Yeah, serial killer would be interesting, and also I don't even know if Knives Out is like a horror movie. It's just like a, yeah, it's like a almost like a comedy, like thriller, you know, like <laughs> suspense, like mystery movie. I guess it's kind of like a Who Done It. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, a serial killer movie would be kind of cool if Jordan Peele. I do think that would be cool. I know he produced; it was a producer on Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I want to see kind of what his own take would be. Yeah, uh, that, I think that would be co- cool to see. And I'm sure he—I mean, he was also—he did like a the Twilight Zone, so I'm sure he's got some right. wacky ideas out there, just that we're not even going to be able to think of. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what, I'm excited, and I'll make sure to avoid trailers again, so that way I can yeah. just go in blind and, and see what's happening. Me too, but. Easy to think, I, I like, or easy to say, I'm definitely looking forward to his next work, as always. You and me both. You and me both. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, those are literally all my thoughts, pretty much, on Nope. It's, uh, like like you said there, Charlie, for those listening, it's a great film. Definitely go check it out. And it's definitely, I think it's a good summer movie, as we're kind of still-ish coming out of COVID. I think it's a good reason to go back to theaters. It was so. never-ending. Um... All right, so yeah, I agree. I definitely go see if you haven't yet. If you made it to this far, if you skipped over the spoiler stuff, you know, go see Nope. Uh, we definitely recommend it. All righty, well that's our show, everybody. This has been the What You Got podcast. I'm your host Charlie Bud. Join with me as always is the phenomenal Jordan Palmer. You can catch our show every Monday evenings. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Hit us up on social media. Palmer, why don't you let them know where they can follow us? You can hit us up on Twitter at WhatYouGotCast, which is spelled W-H-A-T-C-H-A, or on Instagram at WhatYouGotPodcast, which is spelled the same way. And let us know what your takes are on the movie Nope. What, what, tell us what you think, what, what you got away from it. We want to hear from you. So... Until next week, we'll catch you all later.